Oh, my dear old things. Welcome to another episode of Talking Shot, the photography and filmmaking podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of Talking Shot. I am here with my good friend, Joachim Olderberg, all the way over in Sweden. He's normally buried in a forest somewhere or in a desert, so it's very unusual to get hold of him. Welcome, mate. How are you? Thank you. It's really fun to be with you here. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Is it, you know, like everybody else, pandemic, a lot, uh, a lot of sitting home, but yeah. Yeah, the best of and, it, and it's not like you to be at home. I mean, to give people a bit of background about what you do, you're a conservation photojournalist, producer, and an underwater filmmaker, and you yeah. really do get to all corners of the globe. You, you, your contacts include Sir David Attenborough. As, as, as anyone in the natural world knows, you know, he, he is the legend. Um, you're a, a member of the Explorers Club, which is incredibly high res, highly respected as well. So tell us a bit about the Explorers Club, because when I saw you got that, that was massive as well. Yeah, yeah, that was that's that's a good uh, cool thing for me. But Explorers Club is a is a club for explorers. The headquarters in New York, and they have different kind of membership. You can be a supporting member, or you you get chosen into member, but you get elected as a fellow mm. member. And uh, I got the honor to become a fellow member in the Explorers Club. And the the club was started by three explorers in Antarctica, nineteen oh three or four, I think it was. Oh. And it, it grew, grew from there. And now, you know, the Explorers Club flag has been on the moon, on Mount Everest, down in the Mariana Trench, on the Contiki Reft. And it's a lot of well-known explorers like Silver Earl, James Cameron, Tour Heriadal with the Contiki. And yeah, it's it's a lot of legends. So I'm, I'm very, very happy. It's a, it's, a do- it's a door opener and it's a good uh, network to be a part of. With yourself being a, a nature lover, what yeah. drew, drew you into the image image side of that? Because the imagery I've seen you produce is just absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you. The, yeah, you know, I realised that a, a good image and footage interesting footage uh, can change opinions can can raise awareness can can change lifestyles if you like and uh, i i took advantage of that and i, I want to use footage and the photos still photos do just that and it all started when when i when i was a little guy you know our family we didn't i grew up we, we didn't have so much money but we had a boat Every summer when everybody went to, on holidays, we, we went out with a boat and we stayed out for weeks. And that, that's where my love to the ocean started. And I got my first diving mask when I was three years old. And it started there. And wow. I took my first dive certificate when I was 10 years old. And it's always been a huge part of my life. And then 2007, I went full-time conservation uh, conservationist and because that, that is that is your passion and it's it's incredible to see that you can combine two loves if you like it uh, in your life you've, you've got your image making and you've got your your love of nature and you really do get amongst it out there so have you got sort of any sort of stories that you can you sort of grit your teeth and go crikey I was, I was a bit lucky there <laughs> yeah I have lots of stories and um, you know it all started when when uh, I lived out in um, I lived out in Asia for eight years in Southeast Asia, and the very first time I had the opportunity to dive with a manta ray for the first time, I 
totally fell in love. It was like it was, it occurred like an angels of the deep blue and suddenly it was just there. And I, I was so, I never experienced a big animal underwater like that before. You know, manta rays have the biggest brain of all fish. They can reach uh, nine meters between wingspans and they weigh up to over 2,000 kilos. So it, oh. It's quite big animals. And it, they're gentle, they're social, they're curious. And they, this female, it was a female, she just stayed with me. And I totally fell in love then and there. And that should have been a great experience but when we came up in the boat it was a guy from sweden gothenburg same city as me who between dives opened up a beer can and knocked it back and threw the beer can over his shoulder into the sea and i reacted so strongly that changed my life just then and there i took a different path in uh, part in life because of what he did and after that i i started to notice human destructive impact like garbage plastic ghost nets lost fishing tools and what 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 it did to the marine environment when i came home uh, i got I got this idea of an exhibition about marine debris and I got money from the government actually to do that. And that exhibition took off quite big in, in Sweden. And that's how I started. But do you think now, even now, we are literally a throwaway culture and that mm. that has evolved and that's worse, I'd say, now than, say, 20 years ago. How do you, how do you stop that, something like that? I mean, it's, there's education. I guess you can do that. But yes, the- definitely. It, and I think it's uh, our responsibility that have the power of, of reaching reaching a broader audience. Uh, it's uh, it's our obligation to, to try to, you know, raise awareness, to share information and to show the, the what kind of negative impact it has on your own life in the long run. Mm. Because if we don't do anything about this, we're going to suffer. Maybe not you and I now. But next generation will suffer, and it's uh, you know the clock is ticking, and we have to work now. And it's we can't bake anything in uh, cotton anymore, or put anything in cotton. We have to be a little more on the edge, a little more hardcore, maybe to to change. You don't have to be unpolite, but a little tougher in, in what you're doing. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. You can be you can be firm, but you can still be polite. I think it's when people cross over and they think they've got a right to be rude, and that's yep. what, what gets people's backs up. Yeah, but there's there's an effect from that. I'm I'm looking at some of your images, and uh, there's there's three with of the walrus, and obviously, and I don't know if you heard the news uh, recently. There was a walrus that was found on the west coast of Ireland, and what had happened? A piece of ice had broken off, and the walrus was asleep on it in the Arctic, oh, wow. and it drifted south. Then he's ended up on the on the west coast of Ireland, so he's become like a celebrity. I think you mean made it over to the UK now. But I think I've heard about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, walruses are they are amazing, and uh, up in Svalbard, uh, they've been really hard target for hunting, and the you know the the fat of them. But now they are that's a positive, uh, you know, a negative trend that became a positive outcome for the walrus. They they are actually. Uh, going up in in, uh, number oh wow and they they are (laughs) special animals they they come up on land and they they really lie really close together to keep warmth or socializing and they farting you know the smell of a fart of a walrus is uh, it's uh, horrible (laughs) but uh, (laughs) but uh, they are beautiful animals i love them 
<laughs> That's something I never thought I'd hear with the, the fart of a walrus oh, on a podcast by me. Uh, also looking at uh, yeah, the other images here, uh, Joachim, is you really get in the action, um, you know, and a lot of the animals that you've photographed, there's quite a high chance they're, they're not going to be around and maybe a generation to come. You, you've got elephants, you've got polar bears, but mm. the, you really get in with the poachers. And when you go to Africa, you get amongst with the, mm. with the poachers and that, and you get out and you really tell that story. And how mm. did you get into that? Because that's quite a trustworthy sort of um, job to do there. The last assignment we did was uh, to Sulu in Tanzania. And then I was follow, following a vet team, actually, and conservationists together with the National Park or Game Reserve in, in Sulu's. The mission was to actually tranquilize some important elephant, like the that leader female or some solitary male with big tusks. And that was that was one of the most dangerous assignments I've been to because we were we were tracking by foot because the helicopter we were supposed to use got shot down in on another assignment. Wow! So it crashed down. You know, a funny story about this, because an elephant runs, you can't, you can't outrun an elephant. Mm. And the safety, safety distance from an elephant is about 40 meters. <laughs> we, have to, we have to come up at least 25 meters from the elephant to actually be able to tranquilize it with a dart, dart rifle. Uh, otherwise, the dart would just bounce off the, the tight, hard skin from the elephant. Yeah. And we have this briefing before, and the team leader and the vet, they were really, you know, if something goes wrong, the most important thing you need to think about is we stay together as a unit. We stay together as a group, and we were five people. So whatever happens, stay together. And we came up on a, <laughs> on a nice male, uh, male, and he was standing... So he was turning away from us. We had a perfect uh, opportunity to shoot him in the bum, and he did. <laughs> and when we sh- and I filmed that, that whole sequence, and you almost see the dog flying and, and hit the elephant. And as soon as the elephant got hit, it turned around and started to run towards us. And I, I was thought, about, okay, whatever happened, stay together. And I see everybody run every direction <laughs> possible. And I was standing... I was standing alone with an elephant coming towards me and I was t- almost freezed. And then I started to run myself. But that was a really funny moment that whatever happens, stay together. Yeah. And when the, when the really action hits, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Scooby-Doo moment, isn't it? Everyone scatters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. But then you, you never know what's, what's uh, going on there because you, you go by, you, you, you're tracking by foot. And it's it's a lot of vegetation, and you can you have lions there, you have um, buffaloes, you have hippos, and you have poachers. So it's uh, you're quite exposed, and uh, you have to know what you're doing. Otherwise, it can be dangerous. And I guess the poachers, well, they don't really care for you there either, do they? They would be quite happy to come out and. Yeah, yeah, They're, it's it's super dangerous because that's their way of making money. Hmm. Uh, of course, and uh, you know, in that area from the 17th, uh, the poaching has had industrial proportions when it comes to you know, 10,000 elephants a year was killed only in that area. They said that now it's getting a little better, but uh, then it, every 15 minutes, uh, an elephant gets killed because oh, of the 15 idea. minutes. And that makes about 35 plus uh, thousand, uh, 35,000 plus uh, elephants a year. Wow. 
been killed because of the, the ivory tusks. So yep. it's crazy. So you've got the tusks on land, and I guess in the <coughs> sea you, you're dealing with things like shark fin and stuff like that, whale hunting. Yeah. Where do, I know your heart lies across both, but you, do you sort of have a passion? Well, one channel you've got your gorillas there as well, which have got some beautiful portraits, and you, yeah, and one right behind you there. Yeah, no, that's my grandfather. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's hanging on the wall, looking down on me, and uh, I feel I feel good about that. It's a silverback gorilla in the Susa group. No, uh, sharks. It was the reason I I wanted to start to dive uh, when I was uh, a little boy. Blimey, that's not something you hear often, is it? Sharks are the reason I want to dive. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've I've always been fascinated by them. I think they're super beautiful. I have never been scared by them. I 100% respect them. But I've always been fascinated by them and always wanted to swim with sharks. A few years later, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I remember diving in the Red Sea, and it was the first time I'd yeah. ever seen sharks, and it was white tips. And they're basically at a feeding station where they were getting a cleaning station and stuff like that. We were at 20 metres, and they were at 30. And your instinct is to go towards them, whereas mm. on land you would think the instinct is to swim away. But the curiosity you have to go and observe them is just magnetic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. My latest big assignment before uh, the pandemic hit uh, was to Cocos Islands in Costa Rica with uh, Todd Steiner. And he's the founder of uh, Turtle Island Restoration Network. It's a big, uh, you know, NGO, nonprofit, and together with the world leading shark expert scientists. And we were there because we were trying to launch a swimway between the Galapagos and Cocos Island and, and no fish so because for, for migrating animals with focus on sharks and that's Cocos Island is shark heaven you have the abundance of sharks species there is amazing I, I never seen anything like it you have the scallops uh, hammerhead in hundreds you have big tiger sharks you have silver tip sharks you have galapagos sharks you have you have such a you know rich biodiversity and uh, that was that was uh, really interesting tough but we we were tagging we were tagging sharks there and uh, that yeah that was a cool one so when you're lugging all (coughs) your equipment around the world and you know you do get everywhere what's your go-to what should go to if you could pick up camera right now? Uh, at the at the moment now, I have I have a I have two cameras I work with. The G cameras, of course, the G nine and the GH five S is always with me. But I'm in love with the S five, and uh, I'm using the S one H underwater and on land as well. But that one uh, together with the Atomos Ninja five, well, it's a uh, you know. I, I love that package. Yeah. That's interesting, uh, the S1H underwater. How do you find that? Because with the fan in the housing underwater, does, there's no um, condensation or anything building up? Or That's no, fantastic. No, I, I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, it, of course, that can happen with all the equipment uh, mm. if you are in extreme environment. And at the moment, I, I'm working on a quite difficult uh, project called uh, a, a project that I initiated called Nordic a Fragile Hope. And I always had a dream to document and film the most beautiful part of the Nordic countries, from, from the sand dunes in Denmark all the way up to the glaciers in Svalbard, on land, underwater, in the air. But I, I wanted to try to, to do it a little different than a documentary. 
and I got the opportunity to pitch the idea for the CEO of the Gothenburg Symphonic Orchestra, and that's also the Swedish uh, National uh, Symphonic Orchestra. World-leading super, you know, musicians. When I, when I did that, when I got the opportunity to pitch that idea, my idea was to use already written old Scandinavian music to what we filmed. And uh, Stian Klane is the CEO, the name of the CEO of the orchestra. He, he said he loved the idea, but he said, no, 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 we, we're not going to use any written music. We're going to write new music. So now... It, it's expanding. So now we have five composers from five different um, Nordic countries writing original music to what we film. And when it's finished, uh, the big concert will be the big concert will be in, when Gothenburg celebrates 400 years, and uh, it's going to be projected in the ceiling, on the walls. We're going to use the whole concert hall and room as a pro- you know as a projection with the with the musicians on stage and that. To me, this is a dream project. That sounds absolutely amazing. Well, so when and if this pandemic does lift that we can get some normality back um well i i had my first jab uh last week no no side effects you know i'm uh, still relatively normal <laughs> but um where, where do you with with this project going on with the with the gothenburg um orchestra but can you see something uh, you must have something that you've got to get yourself back to and, you know, I'm sure you've got your bags packed, chomping at the bit to get back <coughs> to carry on um, in, in the depths of a jungle or wherever you may be or a desert. Yeah. I mean, where, where do you see yourself? We have lots to do. And, uh, I, of course, I've missed out on uh, a lot of job opportunities and it's been really frustrating. But I also think, you know, uh, then you take a different path or uh, try to think positive and stay positive. It's always people that having having a worse time than I have. We have been lucky enough to be able to film for, for that project. I was talking about Nordic of Fragile Hope and rediscover my backyard. I, I live by the sea and it's quite interesting to, we have four different kind of octopus here. We have small little shark and we have a lot of bioluminescent stuff that you can capture. And it's, it's quite interesting and I'm happy for that because I forgot, it's so easy to forget the beauty of where you live and it's, you know, and longing, longing somewhere else. And so that, that's the thing that I learned that I, I can, we, we have stuff here as well that needs to be done. That's so true because we we are so keen to get out the door and go somewhere. We literally yeah. do forget what's on our doorstep. And like you say, like you have, you you stop, you step back, and you look around. And you actually go, you know what? This is quite nice where I live, and there's there's yeah. lots on my doorstep. Let's get stuck into yeah. that. We have a lot of stuff to, but when it's over, I know it's gonna. It's you know we're gonna start to work a lot again. One thing that I do do now is I work with a foundation a lot called White Feather Foundation, mm. founded by Julian Lennon and we we work together on on a lot of stuff and that's uh, that's really interesting because uh, he's a, he's a brilliant guy who, whose heart is in the right place with the human right education right for everyone conserving the planet from climate till you know indigenous people to to endangered species so that's that's really interesting and we we're going to keep working on that and and you've also got that and you've also got your tv program what you're doing as well so you do keep yourself busy <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah that became official yesterday i think um, 
that we went out with it on, on social media. Yeah, I, I got my own uh, TV show here now. Yeah. You're so blase about it. Yeah, I've got my own TV show, you know, national show yeah. across Sweden. That's all right, you know, just the yeah, sort of so thing you do. It's going to be in Swedish. It's a Swedish one, but we're also working on an international one, and we work together with uh, something called Drive TV UK. So okay. we, we have a you know, a cooperation with, with a British uh, media company as well. But the way the world is, you know, things end up on YouTube and, and whatever, and people around the world get to see it anyway, don't they? So that, that's really exciting, mate. I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, it's fun. I'm, go- it's I'm fun. going back to the extremities of where you've been because I keep scanning through your photos, and every time I, I scan through them, I just see something different, you know, from the glaciers to the oh, de- well, yeah. to the deserts to underwater to, I, the, you know, the colours to the cold. It's just absolutely stunning. But have you have you actually got in, in your heart a favourite sort of location that's entrenched a memory in you that you've got? Well, I really want to get back there. Yeah, a lot of lot of places. When when you do go, I, I usually travel alone. Doing that, you, you you're dependent on on amazing people on location mm. that helps you out because of course you can't go to a new place and and think that you know the the cultures or terrains or nature or, or you know. I met so many amazing people around the world they make me want to go but sumatra is one of those places Uh, amazing i have a dream team working down there the topics are really sad yeah Uh, it's about the palm oil uh, situation and how destructive it is for not only for themselves but for the rest of the world as well i I remember i worked up in british columbia at the hartley bay with with uh, marvin it's uh, the First Nation Gitgat people, and he he was guiding me, if you like, to this amazing spirit bear, this white Carmolis bear, and that the the whole story of how how important that white bear is to their culture and how how that bear saved the people and all it's so it's amazing so you you meet a lot of cool people and you learn a lot i think that's that's the igcp international gorilla conservation program that they have a very very big place in my heart and it's also not only the gorillas Mm. and they of course they are amazing but also the people working you know i'm so i have such respect for people working in conservation in one way or another especially rangers or guards or some because they risk their own life on a daily basis to protect something they believe in and i'm you know yeah i'm humbled and and the irony is that they are protecting those animals from destructive humans yeah yes and in average, one conservationist a week is killed in Africa, in African country. Yeah. That's just, crazy. That absolutely is crazy. Absolutely is crazy. And, mm. you know, and the world we're in now does sort of give us time to pause and sort of reevaluate ourselves. You, you sort of wonder if, if that is actually going to happen because, you know, it's, it's still a destructive place, even in lockdown. Yes, I know some parts of the world are regenerating, mm. which is nice to see. Yeah. Are, are we going to get back to a better place? I don't know. 
It's it's mm. I'd say. Well, one thing we should know about, uh, I think that should be, uh, you know, an information that everybody should know about, is where this uh, virus comes from. And it's because we mess with nature. It comes on uh, the source from from wet markets in, in China, Wuhan. But where where does it come from? Well, it's the same situation with Ebola. When people start to cut away forest or deforestation, they come close to wildlife that one shouldn't be too close to yeah and if you do if you do take away the forest you will have easy access to wildlife and the bush meat and everything and then you have an ebola outbreak and in congo for every new area where they cut down the forest and got access to the wildlife and start to eat bush meat they had an ebola outbreak and this pandemic the covid19 is the same thing so you know we shouldn't mess too much with nature we should learn how to live with it and not of it all the time i just watched a documentary now on netflix called sea spiracy about the fishing industry and that's also something i really recommend for people to see because it, it uh, yeah it speaks for itself so I mean, yeah, there, there, there is so much on there, and I think we'll, 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 serious stuff. Uh, yeah, it, is, it is very serious stuff, and I'm just yeah. sort of yeah trying to take food the thought about it all. But we'll put all this we'll put all this down in the description so people can sort of click on those links and see those recommendations. That's for sure because it's incredibly mm. important. But you know, talking about all those things you do, where do you draw your inspiration from? Because what you do takes a lot of energy, and you must you know. You must, after some, sometimes you must feel emotionally and physically drained after a shoot because you, you're going to see animals and you're going to be quite upset. I draw my inspiration and energy, positive energy in nature and the people I meet working with, with the with the same. I, I draw my energy from looking a gorilla in, in the eyes or diving up in north of you know arctic and you have an encounter with the with the orca coming up and check you out and you you feel how massive enormous they are and the dorsal fin is taller than you and you, you feel really humble and you see the more you work with species and nature you also understand that uh, we're not superior we only think that we are you also see the brick how everything belongs together yeah and if you if you cut the chain how how things will collapse as well i wish that everyone could experience that that would be so because if everyone could experience this it wouldn't look like it does now yes yeah Uh, absolutely bang on mate that's that's so true it does it would look like it does now so what do you love and what do you hate and what can't you live without i ask this to guests now and then and it throws them and I asked yeah. it to Stuart Wood the other week, and he, he he normally can talk for Britain, but he was he was speechless. So yeah, what what, can, what do you love, hate, and can't live without? Yeah, it, you know what? It's easy to ask, but it's really hard to do, hard to answer. Yeah, <laughs> really I know it gets you, doesn't it? I love. Now, I, I love all the meetings, encounters that makes my experience and me grow. I love that. I hate when I see destruction unfair situations an abuse of something that we could uh, live in symbiosis with but that we abuse that i hate that and that, that is really interesting that. because when we've asked that question before that is a common theme going across that abuse of power which people yeah. uh, that is the common answer across and it's really really interesting what was the third what i can't live without mm. my family ah. i would say that yeah that's beautiful mate absolutely beautiful Awesome. 
So on a parting comment, mate, tell you what, this has probably been the most serious podcast on the Talking Shop podcast, but it's also, oh, been, wow. but it's also been the most enlightening, uh, one of the most enlightening podcasts, because I, I could literally go through all your images and your filmmaking and just want to sit down and talk to you. And there is one more I wanted, I say, I'm deliberately saved it towards the end because it actually sort of choked me up a bit and I was trying not to show it as we've been talking. It's the orangutans and the x-rays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. That, that is heavy because, you know, I've been to Sumatra for quite a long time now, back and forth, to find out if, if there's really something called sustainable palm oil, if it really exists. And my conclusion is that it doesn't exist. It's, it's uh, like you can't trust the certifications, mm. full stop. And the x-rays you are thinking of is um, is a, there's, there's two x-rays, but there's one orangutan female, and she was in her best years, 35 years old, uh, strong, healthy. And as the their natural habitat is getting smaller, they have to go out in the plantation and, and look for food elsewhere. So she wandered out in the plantation with a little baby, and someone shot her 74 times with an airsoft gun. Just, you know, fucking mean people. Excuse my language there. But imagine that someone actually shoots, uh, yeah, shoots something, but shoots something 74 times and how they have to reload again and shoot again and reload and shoot again. And she were, she had bullets in her whole body from the toes up to the head, in the eyes, everywhere. She survived, but she lost her baby. Mm. And she came into the Sumatran orangutan conservation program facilities and they took care of her there. And she will be there. They, they built this beautiful area out of on, on fish ponds, but uh, artificial small islands with yeah. no fence. And they built a little mini rainforest on those islands. And she actually lives there and she will live there for the rest of her life. And in such a way. And my question is, if we in the West wouldn't demand palm oil the producer wouldn't use palm oil in their products would that happen exactly and it's a sad story and then we have brenda but that's a that's a more positive story brenda was found when she was a half year baby baby and she was found on her dead mother and she was about to become a victim into the trafficking of of wildlife, wildlife traffic. But she got confiscated by the police and the police brought Brenda to Sumatra Orangutan Conservation Program with a broken arm. So the, that x-ray actually show a broken arm. Yeah, I can see it. But it, it healed well. Then they have this baby, baby training camp <laughs> for orangutans. And all the orangutans there are conflict orangutans. So they take care of them and they teach them and they release them back in, in and that's fantastic to see and brenda is one of the ones who who will be back in in her right environment again oh that's a great story to end on at the end a good positive yeah. note that's fantastic so Joachim, if people want to find you how can they find you what's the best way to get in touch yeah, with you? i used to say uh, you never find me i find them <laughs> No, <laughs> I was kidding. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, and uh, yeah, 
<laughs> I, I'm, I'm out there. I will put all those details down in, in the description below so people can go and uh, click and then see your absolutely amazing and beautiful imagery, mate. You're doing a fantastic job out there. Mate. What you're doing is just above and beyond it. And I just wish more people were like you in the world. Oh man, thank you, uh, thank you so much, Royce. And, and it's always a pleasure to to hang with uh, my brothers from from the the island, yeah. not, <laughs> yeah, not Ireland, the island. <laughs> well, I can't wait till we can have a beer, mate. It's been probably a couple of years since um, since we saw each other yeah. uh, in, yeah. in person. So I, I really look forward to that. So, um, yeah, me too. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, all the all the family gathered again. Definitely. Well, you take care of yeah. yourself, mate, and um, we'll yes. catch up soon. Cheers, buddy. We'll do. Thank you. Oh, thank you for listening. If you'd like to leave a review or contact us, drop us a line at podcast at talkingshot.co.uk. Yeah!